0: Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and with two European Cup finals taking place over the weekend, we've got plenty to talk about on today's show. Joining me as always is Struan Garvey alongside Taylor Murray and Football Roundup debutant Jamie McIntosh. As with every show, we start with what I'm going to be calling from now on uh, the big question. I'm definitely not ripping that off from uh, our little brother's Energy Extra Time, uh, the big shout, that's their own thing. Uh, I'm going to ask my co-hosts about a particular topic within football that holds some relevance after the weekend's action. So, this week, with the Europa League final giving us a thrilling 3-2 win for Sevilla and the Champions League final being rife with talented players, the question I'm asking is, what is the most entertaining game you've ever seen, either in person or on TV? I'll start I'll start with Struyn with this one. Oh my, that's a... <laughs> I told you it's a big question. Oh, that is a big question.
1: There's been some good ones in the past.
0: Talking through you know some I,
1: options. Well, uh, the the first one in terms of recent games was the five all with Hibs and Rangers a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. That was a mm-hmm. very interesting, entertaining game. And I, I actually I quite enjoyed the World Cup final between France and Croatia. I thought. Yeah. the The recent World Cup finals were pretty pretty dire, but I thought that one was quite um very watchable. Final, it's quite end to end. But. Oh
0: my! Oh oh my! Can we come back to me
2: Motherwell six, Hibernian six.
3: I
0: was waiting for somebody. There we go. On. There we go. J- Jamie coming in with a strong shout. There we go. Remind reminders of that game, Jamie.
2: It was six all. It was at Fir Park. Um, Lucas Yukovich scored the the um, equalising goal for Motherwell. I think Hibs were up six three or something in the game. Um, and they Hibbs. And 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 they hid, well. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, they sort of did <laughs> Hibbs it. Um, Hibs had Colin Nish up front for that, that game. He scored, as always. Um, I was at Firth Park, Craig Brown was the Motherwell manager. All right. Uh, it was it was on TV as well. I think it was on Sky, actually. So they, they picked a good game to broadcast, unlike the um, St Johnston, Aberdeen game <laughs> during the week there.
0: It's only really gone downhill for Scottish football on Sky since then, hasn't it? Yeah. Taylor, what about yourself? Is there anything that spring to mind while Struan's racking his brain? Uh, I would have to say, I was only
3: probably. It's still probably a testament to how memorable it was, and you should probably understand why. But uh, it's actually two games, but it came into the one conjunction. It was uh, the 2004 5 final game of the season, and basically just flitting between Rangers Hibs and, Scott, and Murrow Celtic. Mm. Oh my mm-hmm. god. That was. <coughs> I, I, that was honestly. Even just being so young, I can remember just being, like, watching the telly, just in awe, like, it just going back and forth. You don't know who's going to win it until, until recently, Scott McDonald wasn't too happy, but until mm. he scored that famous like I still don't understand why he didn't square it, but he went himself and somehow lobbed the keeper from, like, the six-yard box, but, oh, my God. That Inducted was, himself into yeah.
2: uh, Rangers Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, he, he, he doesn't really appreciate it, that that no. showed so much these no. days, but,
0: uh, was that was mem, I think memorable for the Rangers side, as you can see. He wasn't happy on Twitter that the no. SFL they kind of brought that clip back up again. Well,
2: they wished him happy birthday.
0: Yeah, that's what it was, wasn't and,
2: it? And um, they used that goal, and he said, "You use that goal every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the only goal I've ever scored, and that use something else or a change." But thanks anyway, or something he said. So he did say thanks at he the did. end, he, at he least. He so, I mean, he's not a least, complete melt, but he was
0: at least partially grateful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. The this the.
3: Uh, the league responded to that saying is this better and it was just a bunch of him basically scoring like just simple goals nothing could. be it wasn't even like <laughs> uh, you wouldn't even say top quality goals it was just literally his normal finishes and then it's just obviously the one above it is the one against Celtic but oh that was definitely memorable I think you can say. I take it that tweet never got
0: a response from him that, yeah. that was where <laughs> he left it yeah he just left it hanging with that one so <laughs> I don't think he's too happy it's true and have you settled on one yet or are you still
1: well, I've, I've gone for a bit of a different one. I've, I've gone for my first ever Scotland game, which was back in 2006. Oh. It was the 6-0 against the Faroe Islands. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I just remember that was, that was the first time I'd ever actually been to see a football game, and I think that one was pretty special. We had a bit of everything. There was a Fletcher goal. Chris Boyd scored two, I think. Kenny Miller had one as well. It was, a, it was an entertaining game, and you, you don't often see Scotland win football matches, let alone Very 6-0. True forget about the opponents but and I, <laughs> I, th- I think I probably should say the Scottish Cup final but I use that answer quite often so I've tried to it's a fairly negative yeah no
2: I don't know why I never used that actually anyway it doesn't matter
1: the 2016 one yeah
2: well yeah I suppose <laughs> I could have used I could have used the 2012 Cup final or the 2006 semi-final which was also a very really entertaining game from Hearts perspective
0: well F for from for, for me anyway, there's a few that spring to mind, but I'll give I'll give you one that I, I was there for and I'll give you one that I saw on T V. The one that I was there for it's it's one that maybe not a lot of people will have realised, but St was there. Struan was with me. Um we were working uh up at uh, Hibernian Training Centre for uh it was then Hibernian women, now Hibernian ladies. Um it was their thirteen nil win over 4 for Farmington. <laughs> I think any any game where you get thirteen goals is in, nothing but entertainment value. That the only the only issue I had with that game was I was running the Twitter mm. and trying to type as quickly as the goals went in in freezing cold conditions wasn't ideal. will will say that I'll I'll say that for the least anyway. But for me, the most entertaining game I ever saw on TV. It's it's a bit of a strange one because it didn't mean much in terms of my club, but it involved my club in Chelsea 2, Spurs 2, in, twen- in oh. the the early days of 2016. The Battle of the Bridge, as it's been so, so, so named since then, because it was one of the feistiest games of football I'd seen in a while. Uh, how Spurs ended that game with 11 men on the park baffles me to this day. And Eden Hazard did what he did best and produced a moment of sheer brilliance to tie the game up and hand Leicester the title in spectacular fashion. So I'll always look fondly back on that game just for the enjoyment factor of allowing Spurs to get nowhere near a Premier League title. It was Mm. most enjoyable. We'll crack on and we'll get back. We're going to come back to the two European finals a bit later in the show as on this show we like to start closest to home, and with this weekend we had even more Scottish Premiership games. We'll start with Aberdeen, who got their season back on track with wins against both St Johnston and Livingston over the past few days. The Dons have still got two games in hand, one of which being a massive match against Celtic. Taylor, what do we think about Aberdeen's season looking forward? Could you see them making up the points in places after their stuttering start? Uh, I did say that when they, after the
3: whole you know Grampian 8 fiasco, Basically, they were going to real struggle, but testament to him the fact that managed to come back in and do rather well. I can definitely see them probably.
2: Definitely, probably.
3: Not, yeah, definitely, That's probably. That's a favourite <laughs> of yours. It? <laughs> <He did. laughs> <laughs> it's a well I don't know why I keep saying this, def, but <laughs> definitely, <laughs> probably. Uh, make up the points. I can see them pushing. Since Murrell aren't doing so well, they and Hibs, I can see pushing for that first place. and I don't think they'll struggle as much as what everybody expected, even me in that bracket. In the special way, the players, the stronger players like Scott McKenna, um, basically Sam Cosgrove, when all these players start
0: coming back, they're only going to get stronger. And I think you you saw some really nice football on show from Aberdeen. I mean, there were a couple of, as Jamie said, that it wasn't the best games to be put on Sky, especially the St Johnston game. But we saw a fair nice, nice wee bit of passage of play leading up to uh, Sean Wright, I believe it was, his goal. Um, Scott Wright. Uh, Scott Wright, <coughs> sorry, my mistake, Scott Wright, his goal, uh, there was some really nice passage of play building up. So Jamie, are you in the same mind? Do you think Aberdeen do have what it takes to can it definitely make a case for at least top six, potentially higher, or do you think they've still got a lot to do in the season to come?
2: I think I think they'll definitely still be up there. Um, I think this this is the most frustrating thing probably about Aberdeen and probably what Aberdeen fans think about Derek McInnes. So you know you said there was a lovely bit of link-up play leading up to the second goal um, between Scott Scott Wright and um, Ryan Hedges. Mm-hmm. This goes to show that when Aberdeen want to play football, they can when they get the ball down. You know and they can they can pass it about. They can make one twos and get in behind and whatnot. But they don't usually do that because they've got usually Cosgrove up front, and McKenna just punts it up to him. They just completely miss mm-hmm. out in the midfield. So I think this is a, a lot of um, this is why a lot of Aberdeen fans seem to have a, a bit of a problem anyway with um, with McKinnis is because they think that they can the football's not always the bonniest, shall we say, mm-hmm. to be Scottish. Um, yeah. So you know, yeah, I think they'll be up there. They um, they have a talented talented group of players and they have a very experienced manager. They usually don't concede a lot of goals, which is always is good for any team. Um, and they're hard to beat, you know, the is Pataudry's a hard place mm-hmm. to go to. And they're a hard team to hard team to beat, you know, when they're when they're traveling away from home anyway, because they don't concede goals. And if you don't concede too many goals, then you've got a chance of winning every game. That's that's as simple as that, really. Um, and as Taylor highlighted, they've, they've, they've got Marley Watkins in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good sign actually he obviously was up in uh, up in Scotland previously with uh, Inverness i think it was and uh, you know guys at Cosgrove will come back and they will go from strength to strength I would think so yeah they could be, they they will be up there top six and yeah motherwell who i was tipping to be third i am not anymore so yeah i think aberdeen could probably still sneak into the top four despite not really being that good
0: well, hold that, Motherwell thought, because we'll come back to you for yes, that game yeah. a bit later <laughs> in the show. Uh, St Johnston, they also had a double game week. They played twice over the course of the weekend. Uh, unfortunately, since the Saints, they lost both, turning their decent start this to the season a bit more sour, uh, setting with only four points from their first five games thus far. Struan, you'll have seen them in action on Sunday afternoon as they took on Hibernian at McDiamond Park, with your Hibs snatching all three points in the 90th minute through a Stevie Mallon penalty. What did you make of the game in general, kind of looking at both sides of the coin? Did St Johnston should they feel hard done by, by this result?
1: I, I think the perfect way to describe this game is, as you said, snatching the three points. I think St Johnston were extremely hard done by. They scored a perfectly good goal that was ruled out for being offside. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Hibs had the ball in the back of the net twice as well, both disallowed as a Deutsch handball and then Martin Boyle was offside. But it was a very, very just boring game, I think. <laughs> Probably better ways to sum it up, but I think there just wasn't too much action in the whole thing. I think there was about four shots on target in the whole thing, one of which was a penalty. It just, it just wasn't the best entertaining side. I thought St Johnson did play quite well, though. I think Hibbs have really slowed up since a very good start to the season. I do partially blame that on Sky, of course. As soon as Sky started to broadcast <laughs> the Hibs games, as we've seen three full 90 minutes with two goals, both of which were one was offside for the Christian Doidge against Dundee United. And then, I, I, would we agree it was quite a soft penalty?
2: It wasn't a penalty. I, I, I think was it was not. very
1: fortunate to get it. Mm-hmm. And Liam Craig ended up getting sent off as well at the end of the game, which was just insult to injury for St. Johnson, really, after a pretty decent performance, I think. Just, I was very lucky to get away with it. But um, on the on the Aberdeen-Livingston game, just just coming back to it, that was actually the, the derby of the McCrory's. I just realised that Robbie for Livingston, the goal. Robbie game. versus Ross, yeah. Robbie and Ross. Just speaking course. of Hibs as well, who, who nearly had Ross Macquarie but that that didn't
2: happen. But we're outpriced, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you can you, you, you can tell sorry. how badly Hibs need that midfield strengthened. It's mm. just I mean especially I'm, with Nesbitt out for that game as well as I was
0: about to say, I mean, a man that came back in for the injured Kevin Nesbitt was Scott Allen, who'd kinda of missed out due to some systematic changes in different styles that Jack Ross was trying. So far from what you've seen, what's been Hibs' kinda of best style this season because Jack Rossi's not been afraid to change things up as you've seen with the likes of Allen getting dropped to allow Nisbet and Dodge to both play. So how how do you see Hibbs kinda settling in? Do you see them settling into one system going forward or do you think they'll be able to still go back and forth between a couple?
1: I, th- I think definitely we'll go back and forth. I think the four four two works really well, apart from when you're going to come up against your Rangers, your Celtic and Motherwell, who have arguably got three of the strongest midfields in the league. I think you'd want an extra body in there to secure it up. But one of the things I've been really impressed with is fullbacks this season. I think Josh Doig and Paul McGinn have been very, very good. And just defensively, hibs this season, have only conceded from set pieces. Mm-hmm. Compared to last season's defence was abysmal. And, I, and I, I do still think as well there's been quite a few mistakes from Porteous and Hanlon. In this season, but just I think Gogic coming into that team has really helped sure things up, and I think the the Dodge Nisbet combo up front quite works quite well. You know, a big tall man and a little smaller, quicker one to get in behind. I think it I think it does work quite well, but I think I think it will change quite a lot throughout the season. But I, I personally enjoy watching the four four two. I just think it, it's just it, when we play that, you can see there's going to be a lot more attacking, and I think you know it's an expected win when you see that.
0: And a difficult game moment. for your boys coming up, of course, with Aberdeen coming down to Edinburgh this weekend, I believe. So do you, do you, that could be a potential banana skin for uh, perfect, almost perfect start thus far. Yeah, I think
1: I think results... I, I made the joke about Sky, but the results have really been slowing up and scraping it over the line with some, some fortunate mm. goals. I think getting through the Motherwell game as well was very lucky. They scored an offside goal, which is... I was probably correctly ruled offside blocking the goalkeeper, but I think Aberdeen will be up for this one and I think Hibbs will struggle quite a lot to do with it. I, you can almost see a Ross McCrory goal at some point, can't you? Just It's, it's written for it. It's, for ready. it. It's, it it's ready. It is ready Or Dylan McGee, if it, it could be McGee could come on as well and do it. It's, <laughs> it's written in the stars. But I, I think I think this is a <clears> huge <throat> test for Hibbs because I think if, if Hibbs get this win now, I'm going to be a bit realistic here. I, th- I think third place is probably the goal this season, mm-hmm. despite yeah. you know a very very good start. I think getting a win over Aberdeen, Motherwell's form hasn't been good, holding a draw over them. I think this goal would really cement Hibs's place as Yes, third is ours this season. You know we're going to get that Europa mm-hmm. League spot. You know we should be sure there, and you know we can can't challenge the old firm at the moment. But I think you know we should be the next best in the country at that point. Best of I'll the be rest, yeah. About. Yeah, I think mentality wise, this is a huge game.
2: Yeah, spot for bottom.
0: both sides as well. With Aberdeen as well, they need to get back into there, stride Yeah, definitely. Uh, another team that were back to Premiership action this weekend was Celtic, and they just managed to sneak past a decent-looking Dundee United with a one 0 win. The goal coming from the five million pound man Albion Ajete, who started the game on the bench. Jamie should Celtic with the team that they have and the money that they've invested. Should they be winning these fixtures more convincingly, or will they simply be happy with the three points at the end of the day, past a decent looking the United
2: side? Um. Yeah, good question. I mean, I, I suppose on paper, yeah, they they probably should be winning by more than uh, by more than a solitary late goal. Especially in the manner that it kind of came, it was a bit of a scrappy kind of goal. The Dundee United goalie had an absolute blinder all game, but then probably should have ironically done a bit better for the goal. A yeti fires it in and it goes through one of the Dundee United players' legs, who's on the line, and it was it was a bit lucky. Celtic probably just about deserved to win, but in the manner that they they got the winning goal was very fortuitous. I was really impressed with United. Um, I think we need to give credit credit to them. Again, Luke Bolton really impressed me. He's on loan from I think it's City, Man City. City, yeah. Um, uh, he's just seems really direct. You know, like he he's somebody that, having watched Hearts last season with a, a real lack of um, lack of width and, and quality out wide, just to see somebody like just run at his fullback every time. And obviously he was up against Jeremy Frimp- Frimpong. So you know, as far as kind of fullbacks defensively in the league. Go, you know, he's 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 going to struggle up against a fullback like that. But you know, there are easier, or sorry, there are poorer fullbacks in the league than Jeremy Frimpong. So, you know, Bolton will um, will get get joy against uh, against most defenders in the league for me. And I think um, his his attacking intent will certainly be pretty key to to United's uh, form this season. So yeah, to sum up, Celtic probably should be winning by more than a goal, but we do need to give credit to United, who once again have impressed me this season after I tipped them for relegation.
0: I think as well with Celtic, just with this, a 1-0 win, and then results like a 1-1 draw away, Kilmarnock, Could we see a lot more of these results kind of in Lennon and Celtic's approach, potentially this season, and just grinding out the results they need to be able to secure that 10th league title in a row?
2: Yeah no I, I mean I think to, to to put a cliche on it you know when you see Celtic or, or Rangers for the well Celtic for this um, for this matter getting a kind of a late goal and you know isn't that just typical of champions you know screams Ian Crocker down the down the TV so um, yeah you know I suppose it is it, it, we are used to seeing stuff like that from both sides of the old firm they are the masters of of late goals up in Scotland anyway um i think the problem that a lot of celtic fans seem to have with maybe not with lennon but just with the team at the moment is that they they do play a bit safe so the first half i thought united were excellent going forward but the second half i thought they offered very little and celtic fans i uh, saw quite a lot on on twitter were saying you know why is ken Scott brown still on the park mm-hmm. at 80 minutes you know like we, <laughs> Not because he's a he's a bad player, and even Scott Brown is very good at what he does. But when you've got eleven men playing against you behind the ball, you don't really need Scott Brown because yep. he's not the one that you know Celtic fans would rather have seen. Oh, I don't know, Olivier and Cham or somebody with a, a bit more attacking intent who's going to thread the needle and play the the the, the, um, the what's the really good pass? The I can't remember. There's a phrase that you say that it's like a player pass. Um, oh, I was gone, I can't remember. He played a really good pass that splits the defence and all that. And Scott Brown isn't that kind of guy that's going to do that. So mm-hmm. a lot of fans think that why do we still need him on the park at 80 minutes when we're playing against 11 men behind the ball? But yeah, I think Lennon is a bit more, not a bit more negative, but you know, I, I just think Celtic under Rogers probably were a bit more exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more safe I think that would be a fair games, comment. Right? Yeah, I think that would be a fair comment. A fair comment to make.
0: Yeah, no, definitely looking a bit more pragmatic, I think you would suggest, under Lennon than Rodgers anyway, but I suppose if it works this season, it'll work, and I don't think there'll be any complaints should it work, and the uh, 10 in a row does arrive at Celtic Park. Uh, On the other side of Glasgow, this weekend, Rangers won once again as they left Kilmarnock, still looking for their first one of the season, just a reminder for Sean probably listening, (laughs) that's still Kilmarnock without their first one of the season. Uh, a surprise to many was that Alfredo Morelos was left out of the starting 11, uh giving Kemar Roof his first start. The switch of course paid off with Roof scoring his first goal for the club in this game. Taylor, what did you make of the Morelos-less Rangers? I mean, are they still as dangerous without their main man leading the line? Uh, yes, I would say
3: so. <laughs> if you asked me this about even three, four weeks ago, I'd have told you, don't be stupid. The, the fact when you get somebody in that will hit the ground, running like Mirellis, but I think the man that's more important to Rangers right now is Ryan Kent. Well, and Mirellis we can deal with because we've got Atten, uh, Rangers have got Atten in, they've got Ruth and they've got Defoe out there. Probably could strengthen another striker, but Ryan Another striker? Yeah, I would say so because you can't. The fact How is. How many do we, you need? Well, you've got Ruth and Atten who will probably well be in the starting 11
0: itton has been play- it played. Eden played in the left. and just played Hadji. Did he not in this game? It depends on the system. Because
3: the one thing, another thing, f- on the weekend, Gerard for uh, which I didn't expect it coming, changed the way they played. They became more. Gerard under Rangers have been basically more possession based, trying to break them down, basically playing the perfect ball. However, this time there was more direct and. They were taking shots outside the box, forcing Kilmarnock to tuck in a lot more and basically see cosy man outside the box, which led to Ryan Kent being able to get the pass to Barisic, which obviously to the opening goal. This is something that Rangers lacked, basically, prior under Gerard, Not shooting enough outside the box, always trying to find that perfect pass and basically pass it into the net. So that is basically what got them the win and that could be a key factor, and I think Rangers moving forward. So that's why I think Marius won't be a bigger miss. as what everybody makes if Ryan Kent goes to Leeds for supposed bids that are coming in, mm-hmm. that is like you can may as well if we lose Marius and Kent, uh, bye bye anything. I would even say we struggle to even get second if we lose Kent.
2: You struggle to get second. That's, yeah, that's well,
3: a big call. No, I, I Kent is a very big player for Rangers and. We've seen it before, after Christmas, Rangers are like, and you just need the players that will take the responsibility as Kent has done thus far in the season basically just going that he's the only player I can see in that Rangers team that is willing to take a man on I'm not saying that everybody else should be like driven by three or four players but Kent is the only one I can see capable of actually taking by a few players and producing something right now so I would say definitely he'd be a big big loss
0: no, I, th- I think I'd agree. I mean, I think. You I do don't think, think anybody's disputing that no. it would be
2: a loss, no.
0: But I, th- I think, I think even if he did lose the, the, both of them, you, you would you would still get second, surely. I mean, you'd still throughout At the expense
2: of who, Taylor would ask, who who would you think would would, um, would profit then if, if Rangers sold? Uh, well, if, you had asked,
3: if you had to ask me to, like, today, like to I'd say as it looks like it probably Hibs but I'm not saying that's gonna happen because Kent has said he wants to stay and he is going to stay and uh, there's no doubt about it Leeds can probably, Leeds suppose the come coming in about 16 million odd, Rangers will back that out of the park they won't Gerard doesn't want him, Kent wants to stay it's no gonna happen so there's no even that's why I'm just saying it's no gonna happen but I'm just trying to make the point of the fact that Kent is more important than because I photo is but Kent uh, you need to keep him for this season if, is yeah, there, a, is there a money,
2: is there an offer that if, if Leeds continue to, to up their bid, is there a value, do you think, that Steven Gerrard has in his mind, where he would think, yeah, okay, this is a good deal, actually. Obviously, Rangers paid, I think it was 7 million for him. Yeah. So, you know, if Leeds offer 21, you know, do, do you I, take that? That's I feel like three times you, what you...
3: Well, we paid a million for, uh, Rangers paid a million for Morelos. And basically, uh, Rangers value him at roughly about 18 to 20 million. Mm-hmm. So the what I'm looking at is, Rangers invested, which I thought was a little bit over the odds for Kent, but I feel like it was, I'd say about 5-6, but they paid 7 million for him. Yes. So in my mind, and probably, I don't know if this makes actual complete sense, but they probably <laughs> value Kent a lot higher than what Morelos would be. I'm not saying he's going to be like 40-50 million, no, no. I could see them probably having a value closer to like the end of the 20s, maybe. Be just pushing Fetties like that's their valuation but that's just how highly they rate Kent and to be fair if Premier League clubs are coming looking for him that is not like I'd say too much to ask for for like all lot of Premier League clubs and basically clubs that are like high European in the Champions League so I, I think just now that is probably just like they try to back fuck off but I can definitely see Kent being probably Rangers most expensive
0: asset well, I'm, I mean, I can I can understand that, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be some day in Scotland when a player uh, leaves the league for thirty million pounds. That's going to be something really special. Yeah, it could game. be the
2: turning point in Scottish football.
0: Yeah, you, you would like you would like to think so. I mean, once players start going for that amount of money, there's no. Reason I mean, why? It can't I think Edward could be that kind
1: of player. Yeah, yeah I, it, sure I definitely
3: actually. Edward looks more right now. Looks more likely it could be that player, but. I don't think Kent's that far off. If he continues playing the way he has and more numbers to his game, mm-hmm. I can definitely see him being up there.
0: It is just... Um, it's baffling to think that you you still think losing the two players you would struggle to get second when you've not even conceded a goal yet this season. And your defence has been fantastic and you've not even got it nailed on. You've not even got it nailed on. You've had Conor Goldson, Baricic and Tava, I believe, have been constants in the back four. But you're... The second centre-back, it's going to switch between Hellander and Balogun, so do you, how how important do you think it is now for Gerard to nail down a starting centre-back, Joe, or do you think he's better just being able to switch between a few options? Uh, uh, the uh, the defence,
3: the, the three constants are always Barisic, uh, Goldson and Tavernier. So I feel like you can, as much as you say don't think of something that's not broke, I feel like you can get away with, if you have three constants, and obviously that one that you can chop and change, that will always have that element of competition with that place. And basically, you've got, obviously, you've got the experience of Hollander, the, the even better experience of, basically, Balogun, and you've got Edmondson, who's not a bad uh, centre-back. He's just young, so he's obviously a little bit raw. So, definitely Gerard in the past, has been tinkered, tinkered too much, and it has cost goals, but I think he's slowly but surely finding the perfect Joe. and me personally, I think you see Goldson and Balogun together, they look assured, they look no nonsense, but Halander is definitely somebody that's worth three, four million, is not a bad replacement to come in to basically steady the ship, I'm willing to steady the ship to even produce some of the performances that he's been putting in. Uh, uh,
2: just quickly on Rangers defence before we move on. You know, we, we spoke about Aberdeen Rangers on the first day of the season. Yeah. We, we, we spoke about how Aberdeen offered literally nothing. They were terrible. Then Rangers beat St Mirren and St Johnson 3-0 at Ibrox. Going by what most teams do at Ibrox, they, they go there and they offer very little, um, attacking intent-wise anyway. Then Livingston was much the same. They didn't offer an awful lot of attacking intent. And then the Kilmarnock game at Ibrox, where yous were were very critical. Actually, Taylor and, and Graham were very critical of of Kilmarnock and how they offered nothing. So as as <laughs> Ra- yes, Rangers haven't conceded a goal yet. But how many shots have have other teams actually had at the Rangers goal? You know, I mean, have they even bothered to try and score a goal? These teams that have gone to Ibrox.
3: I think that's where you have to come down to the managers of our teams. Like, I, yeah, I, 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 I said It's the not Rangers' team problem, team, obviously, yeah. but. It's just the way it's, it's just a mental. This is how I feel like i seen someone say the fact that other teams, it's, they're totally entitled to it by the way, 100% entitled to. It. I'm not saying that they're not, but other teams are coming and basically sitting and not, have no basically willingness to go forward. And as the comment said, they're literally putting in jeopardy the theatrical of basically football. So they're turning it from basically football is a sport that you love to watch and basically it's just beautiful to watch to now. it's just basically you're groaning, and then you just hope for what five minutes of excitement towards the end to see if you can nick something. It's mm. Scottish football needs to get that change but money aspect is too high now. The fact that they won't change because the financial deficits folk can have if they don't, you know, do this.
2: I think Rangers and Celtic have just got such a financial advantage obviously mm. and, and you know the gap is just getting bigger you know it's not it's not it's widening yeah the the gap between rangers and celtic and for the best of the rest this season could be even bigger than than last which was pretty big last season yeah, as well so much. you know i just i don't know i i just think the gap is widening and we're we're not really moving the the right way for as the good of the game in this country if you like but yeah taylor's right i mean Okay, hats off to the Rangers defence. They haven't considered a goal yet, but for me, I'm looking forward to when they go to Easter Road in the middle of September and then the first uh, the first old firm in October. Oh, they'll, they'll be the real, the real test for this yeah, Rangers defence. Oh, um, I thought
3: Aberdeen was a big test and the fact that in the pass it with such fine cover colours was testament to them, but it's still, it is actually the fact they've equaled a post-era record for Rangers and could mm-hmm, potentially... I break it against Hammond Ackies, but you know, you could probably see them banging out a 3-0 win, because it's Ackies, <laughs> but yeah, they could definitely break it, and I could even see them going as far as like this, until we hit, as Jamie said, East Rangers hit Easter Road, uh, start going to, uh, uh, I was going to say Tyne Castle, them, but that's not even happening. Fortunately not anymore. Yeah, lucky yeah. for you, a... <laughs> But yeah, definitely, it's a testament to the Rangers' defence, and Gerrard.
0: Right, we'll we'll move, we'll move on. We've spent plenty of time talking about this, Rangers.
2: <laughs> Certainly we Uh
0: We'll look elsewhere. To St Mirren and Ross County, they held each other to a one-all draw, a result that saw both teams remain in the top six, separated by a single point. A fairly respectable result for both teams, I think, considering the way they've both started. Struhan, how can you see the season panning out for both clubs? Do you reckon there's any chance that either of them can keep the form up for the whole year and state their claim to break into the top half of the table? Or do you think it's just early season early season positivity and that one of, if not both, teams will eventually drop off.
1: I think think it's quite hard to say at the moment, being so early in the season, especially when teams like Motherwell, Hamilton and Kilmarnock, who haven't won a game yet, are all in the bottom half of the table and you'd probably expect them to be going further up. But I I don't really see too much of a reason why Ross County can't. I think they've made quite a good start. I think it is just very early to, to make a decision like that with teams who we don't normally associate being even in the yeah. top half. But, so you
2: don't think St Mirren and Ross County will fall away too too badly then? Is that what you're saying?
1: I, I don't think, based on what we've seen so far, with a lot of the bigger teams like Motherwell and Kilmarnock getting off, and Livingston, to be fair to them, mm. getting off to quite a poor start to the usual standards, I think yeah. we could potentially see them maintaining, not, not top three, four, I, I don't think in the European places, no. but I think they could be in the top half come split.
2: So who do you think is going to be bottom then, Struan? If if you don't think uh, either of those two will follow oh, away dare to
1: I, dare I say Hamilton?
2: Yeah, I'm luring you into that. <laughs> <There> <laughs> you went know.
0: that. That was baited there. Uh,
1: for me, could for, be Hamilton. It could be Livingston. Livingston don't look.
2: Yeah, up, they look although rubbish. Although they have, have Anthony Stokes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Starts so the fire. Street. Yeah.
0: the one thing I'll say about um, St Mirren uh, coming up this weekend it'll be interesting to see how they play without uh, Joe Shaughnessy who I've been Mm. quite impressed with Um, and there were some people uh, you get sent off of course against Ross County some people claimed it wasn't a red card but you saw it back and there's no doubt in anyone's mind that it was a sending off
2: well Jim Goodwin said it wasn't a red card and uh, Jim Goodwin has made many tackles like that in his career. So it doesn't really surprise me to be yeah, perfectly honest. But how
0: long ago was his career compared Jim, to well, the Jim, Jim, Jim,
2: Jim Goodwin Samuels actually. Now. Jim Goodwin probably is is proud of that tackle. He probably, yeah. you know, He'll loves a, that loves attacking Exactly, yeah. It was <laughs> He's taught him exactly that. So no I mean Strongness he was in my fantasy team actually for the, the Scottish I uh, I've been very impressed with him. Mm. Um I thought he was a very good signing. I saw him at St Johnson and I thought he was good there as well. So I think uh, I think if St Mirren are to stay up this uh, this season, then I think a lot of that will be down to their defence this year. Finally,
0: we'll finish up on the Scottish Premiership action here with Motherwell losing once ah, again. Uh, this time go. it was to relegation contenders Hamilton in a one 0 defeat for the boys from Far Park. Jamie, you shelled out the twelve pound pay per view price to watch this game on Saturday. A decision mm. that you couldn't really come up with an answer for at the no. time. Uh, Hamilton they lost the first four games and then this happens did you take anything away from this performance to prove that they can avoid the drop or was it just a bad day at the office once again for motherwell
2: um no no Hamilton Hamilton played well Hamilton played well they they were pretty organized at the back motherwell had a lot of attempts on goal they had almost seven, i think they had 6 to 8 percent percent, percent of the possession wow. um so they had all the ball they but you know they never really um, Fulton in the, the Hamilton goal made one or two very good saves, but um, other than that, you know he he wasn't really tested too much. A lot of the other shots that Motherwell had were were off target. Um, Hamilton were very organised, as we were kind of used to seeing from from Hamilton anyway, and uh, they had the better chances. It was uh, Hakim Odolphin that got the got the winner late on from a set piece. And two minutes prior to to him scoring, he missed a gilt edge chance from um, from an identical set piece. So Motherwell have absolutely no nobody um, nobody else to blame apart from them, themselves. The they had the warning signs were there. Basically, mm. put it that way. Um, a dolphin, literally, I don't know if you saw Sports Scene or anything, but a missed from about three yards. Um, Never good that. And and then obviously he, he bulleted ahead at the near post. So fair play to him because that was a much harder chance. Um and and uh, you know again Steven Robinson laid into his players after the after the game and he he basically said that if he isn't able to get the best out of these players, then the club will have to find somebody else to come in who can. Oh wow. So, yeah, that that's that's never good. That there's alarm bells ringing now <laughs> at Fir Park because um, he seemed he seemed fed up. He just had the attitude that he couldn't be bothered anymore. Mm. He had um, he had tried his best, and you know I don't know. Nobody knows what's going on at, at training behind the scenes or anything. You know if there is a bit of a, a bit of a spat between him and some of the players, if some of the players aren't willing to willing to play for play for Robinson, and I think in this day and age we we kind of see in football now that you know whenever you do get a a kind of um, argument breaking out between manager and, and a group of players it's always the manager that gets the bullet you know yeah. it's never the, the manager is always the one that is sacrificed if you like or, mm-hmm. and you know a new manager comes in and, and the players suddenly start to play play well again you know we see it all the time so you know I, I don't know Steven Robinson highly likely could be the first manager to be gone this season a massive game on Thursday um, at Thursday. Fir Park against yes. Glen Torren mm-hmm. and for me, I'm just going to say this now, if Glen Torren unlikely, but if Glen Torren knock Motherwell out of the Europa League, Stephen Robinson will be sacked on Friday morning or he'll quit on Friday morning.
3: Do you think that uh, this is like a one step too far for Stephen Robinson? Like basically he's done it ever since he came in. He's done it year after year getting players in, non-league players and turning them into what looks like quality premiership players. So do you think this is a step too far?
2: Nah, nah, not really. Um, Cause the squad's relatively, relatively similar to last last season's squad. Um, it's just it seemed that the, for me anyway, the blame lies at the players because Motherwell aren't doing anything differently. Steven Robinson hasn't tried to do anything differently. They brought in Jordan White, and you know, okay, the first few games of the season, Long started up front on his own, and they played the same system as last year. So Hasty came back and has you know has been hooked at. Half time, a couple of times. So he's clearly not hit the ground running. Turnbull has, has been, um, has okay. been the the best player. He was Motherwell's best player for me on, uh, on Saturday. So again, everything goes through him. But Motherwell aren't trying to do anything differently, in my eyes. So for me, the, the it's not really. Obviously, it'll be Robinson that gets um gets questioned for it and gets criticised for it. But he's not he's not trying to do anything differently. Um it's just that the players aren't really stepping up to the level of performance that we've seen from Motherwell under Steven Robinson.
0: No doubt Uh, there's there's potential potential change happening at Fir Park in the not so distant future then. Celtic
2: Park on Sunday as well for Motherwell.
0: Absolutely two really really important games for Steven Robinson if he is to have a future as manager uh, we'll move on from the Scottish Premiership finally and take a look at the two biggest games of the weekend, starting with Friday night's Europa League final in which Sevilla made it the trophy for a record sixth time as they ran out as winners in a back-and-forth 3-2 victory against Antonio Conte's Inter Milan. Uh, Struan, Sevilla had truly made this competition their own over the years and made it one hell of a final on Friday night. With all that the head coach, uh, Julian Lopetegui, I had to double-check how to say that name before the show... <laughs> uh, all that he's gone through in the past couple of seasons and how much their players have gone through just over their careers, how much do they deserve this victory and this trophy?
1: Oh, yeah, I think massively. I think that Sevilla team, it's not really full of your big superstar names in Spanish football, but I think they've worked together as such a strong team and they've just, they just pulled it out of the bag when they needed to in this tournament, despite... Giving away a penalty against Wolves, Man United, and Inter Milan. Diego Carlos then comes up with a pretty <laughs> crazy bicycle kick that Lukaku puts into the back of the net. And I, th- I think they were very deserved winners when you look at the, the run they had. They demolished Roma, they got past Wolves, they got past United, who I think were the favourites for the tournament. And then they fell behind against Inter Milan in the final and still. Actually, they fell behind, and went to the lead. Then it was level again and then took the lead later on again. And every single goal was from a set piece. So I think mm-hmm. they were. They knew how to win, and I, and I think they definitely deserved it, especially with players like um, Jesus Navas, who's been at the club since. He hasn't been at the club since, but he was there when they won the first Europa League back in the mid-2000s. So. Mm. Yeah, I think it was a really nice story, and it's <laughs> it's almost one of these things that, you know, you, you don't want to go away to a certain team. You don't want to play someone, you know, what, whatever position in the league. You just don't want to play Sevilla in the Europa League. That's, that's their competition. Yeah. It's just almost there's no point in showing up. And I, th- and I think it's a very, very good Inter Milan side that they beat. I think everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people were fancying them and Antonio Conte to pick up the trophy. and especially They were favourites, the yeah. Yeah, you would say so. Yeah. After Lukaku after was brought down by Carlos and scored the penalty, you just kind of thought, oh, that, that, could, that could, could be, be them. It, They yeah. could just get a couple and then Conte's defensively, you know, they weren't really going to concede from the looks of things. But Conte himself nearly actually got sent off after their wee altercation with Ever Banega, who... Again, I, th- I think dominated the game as well. I think he's off to Saudi Arabia in the summer, but he looked fantastic. He is, yeah. Another young player in the team. And looked de young as well, the man who couldn't do it at Newcastle. Former Newcastle man.
0: Two goals, an absolutely fantastic header. are both good headers. they were yeah. both really good. I was impressed with his performance on the whole. Uh, we'll look at Inter for a moment. Uh, Conte, is, he's had a lot of financial backing and spent close to £200 million on players, a number of which you would argue Premier League rejects in hmm. uh, inverted commas with the likes of Asa Young and Christian Eriksen uh, he's I assembled a, Sanchez Sanchez of course Moses he's assembled a <laughs> <scorer>. Moses <laughs> <laughs> it w- the, the squad itself it wouldn't look out of place in the Champions League he's got a lot of talented players like Latano Martínez uh, I really like uh, Nicola Barella in the midfield as well uh, he's not. On, although this season he's not just throwing the league away to Maurizio Sarri's Juventus, but he's gone on to win a comp. He's gone on to lose, sorry, a competition that his team were amongst the favourites for throughout their time in the competition. Jamie, what do you think's gone wrong for Conte and his team this season? Do you think um, perhaps for the Europa League anyway? His side's five-nil victory over Shakhtar Donetsk in the semi-final perhaps lulled them into a false sense of security coming into the final.
2: Um I, I, I don't know I think you know again we we just spoke about Sevilla then I think a lot of credit needs to go to them. Mm-hmm. Um you know that Shakhtar were were pretty poor in the semi-final as well I thought I just thought they never really got going. Um so yeah credit to Inter for that I suppose they, they never really maybe never allowed Shakhtar to get a foothold in the game but uh, I think you know when you get to that stage I think surely Inter knew to expect a better test from Sevilla than Shakhtar, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, okay, maybe they did think that they were they were just going to walk it. But I, I, you know, highly well, I would like to think that they didn't think that because you know, as I say, I would I, Sevilla are the masters of this competition as well. They must have expected a yeah. tough game going into it, and you know they were in front obviously so early on as well. You know, th- I feel like they. They had the kind of game in the palm of their hand, and you know, okay, credit to Luke de Jong, that that man, um, that man turned turned the game. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know what went wrong for Inter. I really don't. As I say, they, it's not like they kind of started the final sluggishly. Yeah. You know, they, I thought, to be honest, with you, Sevilla actually had a really good chance just before Inter got that penalty. I think it was one just just about cleared off the line. Anyway, um, and then Inter went up the end, and and Lukaku knocked it away from that centre back and uh, and he brought him down so I don't know I don't know what was, I don't know what went wrong for them you know as I say they were in the lead and they, they kind of had it had it to lose if you like yeah. you know they were favourites going into it and when you you said it yourself Struan, when when they got in front you kind of expected them to just go on and win it with not with considerable ease but you know we, we spoke about Conte's defensive qualities we've seen it before and um, you know you thought that if they'd maybe scored the second goal and gone 2-0 up that that definitely would have been it so, yeah, OK, maybe it did go wrong for Inter somewhere along the line, but I think we do need to give a lot of credit to Sevilla for coming back from a goal down so early on in the game.
1: I think one of the things as well in this game is a lot of the players in the Inter Milan team haven't actually won much in their careers in terms of trophies. I mean, Christian Eriksen lost the Champions League final last year and the Europa League, and I think, I think that mentality does come into it, that they, they weren't used to a lot of the players. There's a bit of experience. I think Diego Godin is probably one of the few players in that team who has that experience and he actually mm. did score. I mean, Handanovic, the goalkeeper, has never won a show in his career. I'm not sure Lukaku has either. And just it just kind of showed. And one of the things I loved about the Sevilla team was it was the same against United and it was the same against Wolves. When they were in a good position, they were just throwing their bodies on the line, you know, they were given everything, yeah. any block they could make. That um, Kunde, I can't remember what his first name is, the French centre-half was fantastic in both games, I thought, clearing off the line. Uh, Reguilon and Navas were on the throwbacks And as I've mentioned mm. earlier, I think Bodega was fantastic. And there were, there were the chances with Inter, I, I think it was Lukaku, had a one-on-one just before um, it was, Sevilla yeah. went 3-2 ahead. I, I think he might have been offside anyway. but he was, he was in his
2: own half, actually, so he was onside, he was yeah. in his own half. Yeah, I remember having I was having this debate mm-hmm. with my dad, he said he was offside and I said he was in his own half. That's exactly. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I had that exact one with my dad, he was like, he must have been offside, and I said, hey, look, just on, but... Yeah, yeah. So Sevilla did have the chances, and I think that did, as I've said, with inexperienced young players. I think they just couldn't really handle the pressure of such a big game. And I think every time you know they, sh- they should have gone on to win, but Sevilla, Sevilla just had that experience. players like a Navas, yeah, won it multiple times with them, and other players like Benega. I just think it was their day basically.
2: Were they winners?
0: Were they winners? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, think I think as well. Inter Milan, they they were in quite a tough Champions League group with Dortmund and Barcelona, which I think. It's quite unfortunate for them. They probably could have done a bit better in the Champions League, but
0: yeah. I think think that the one thing we can definitely agree on. Sevilla definitely were the winners over Inter Milan. Uh, Just to bring it a bit closer to home before we look at Sunday's final, next season's Europa League will have a fair number of teams representing the home nations. From England, Leicester, Spurs and Arsenal are all competing, while Rangers, Motherwell and Aberdeen will all participate in the qualifying rounds. Motherwell and Aberdeen they're an action on Thursday. Uh, Aberdeen are taking on NSI Runavik, And as we mentioned earlier, Motherwell are taking on Glen Torren at Far Park. Taylor, could we see any of these teams perhaps making it uh, con- considerably far in next year's competition, counting both uh, Scotland and England's representation?
3: Uh, I'd, I'd hope so. I feel like the Old Firm need a little bit of help when it comes to the coefficient for Scotland. Because now... Scotland are up in 14th and the fact is we've now got a second Champions League we spot do, yeah. uh, to qualify in so that is obviously great for the game, more revenue so hopefully as we talked about earlier the Scottish game could get bumped up in, base, uh, in quality but it's got to the point now where the old firm especially last season with Rangers making it from the first qualifying all the way around the sixteen the the two old firm have done absolutely magnificent, but they need help. So, your Aberdeen's, your Murros, or even when it comes to it, like your Hibs, you need to when you need to start progressing further and even broaching onto that and getting into group stages, or even see see making it to the last qualifying round. That is, that can do well if the old firm get into group stages, that boosts it up even further, and hopefully that would benefit them. But you know. I'd benefit like, the other clubs in Scotland more yep. revenue, but however, it's, can I see it? Merle, as Jamie said, Glen Torrens, I can see them probably running over Merle, but I'm hoping Aberdeen, they put in a good performance last year, at, when, even when they took on Burnley. But, I, uh, I absolutely did. So hopefully Aberdeen or that team I can make it into a group stage and we can actually have like three Scottish teams
0: within Europe. Could you see one of Leicester, Spurs and Arsenal potentially going all the way? Uh, definitely. I can, I've can. i actually got to go out there.
3: I can see... Uh, I can see Arsenal definitely doing yep. well in Europe. I always think Leicester, uh, they, they could be a hit or a miss. And Spurs under Mourinho, uh, pff, it's going to be brittle to watch, but we don't know. I really don't know. Mourinho ball, I, I cannot tell you. Mourinho ball.
1: Honestly. <laughs> like, I, I I think that think bus we could be quite pop. a similar... Um, I think we could see quite a similar Mourinho to the to the sixteen seventeen season with United when he basically just sacrificed the league and went all in for the Europa League. I wouldn't I think judging by how competitive the top yeah. four is looking in the Premier League. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that with Tottenham again this season. But Arsenal end end go for the it. Europa League basket.
3: Arsenal did really well with their transfer window. I think this uh, this season they've not made basically too many. They've not actually made a signing, but hopefully get Gabriel. They in fact I like, yeah, they have got well in. They've hopefully getting Gabriel. Uh, like is still there, Aubameyang looks like he's got signed on a contract. He already has. Has he signed? Yeah. I didn't even. Oh look at that! I'm up with my news. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Keep but the proper yeah. things together. Yeah. but look at that. See Arsenal, they've not they improved not massively. Not I wouldn't even say like well enough where they've got a yeah they've got to win the Europa League or, but they have improved and that's always a good start. And I feel like they with the players they have probably have a better chance to find uh, the Europa League than I would say Spurs or Leicester do.
0: Fantastic, that ends any Europa League talk for the foreseeable future. Uh, that's that uh, kind of done for this year. Uh, we'll, come, we'll finally come to the Champions League final, uh, Sunday night's big occasion. So Bayern Munich win their sixth European Cup while also becoming the first team in history to record 11 consecutive wins in the competition. Struan, despite a lackluster scoreline, the game gave us plenty to discuss and was de- and definitely had that entertainment factor. As a Bayern fan yourself, you'll be buzzing with the results, but <laughs> what did you make of the game itself?
1: Uh, it wasn't the best of games, to be honest. I think it's, it's no, almost think one so. of those. I, I think. Nah. From, from a. Well, I was very nervous the whole time, of course, being a diehard Bayern Munich <laughs> fan, but um, maybe that's why I have this opinion. But I think. Based on the previous games we've seen, just in the Champions League alone with Bayern Munich and PSG, they have been quite free-scoring. I, th- I think the way PSG set up was just, you know, they were going to hit on the counter. And when you have Neymar and Bappe and Di Maria up front, you've got you can, one of the best yeah. front lines in the world. I mean, as a very defensive midfield, which included two holding midfielders in Herrera and Paredes. And Marquinhos was naturally a centre-half, so I think yeah. they were... They were ready to take in the Bayern pressure, but I, th- I think it, it was quite an entertaining game. I think Manuel Neuer had a fantastic game. I Absolutely, PSG really had chances, and there was. I felt a bit sorry for Mbappe. I thought he was quite wasteful, and there was one where he was played in, and, and everybody knew he was offside, but he still took the shot on, and it, it was still saved by Nard. Oh, do you know the one? I mean, yeah. Was, yeah, one one Nard yeah. gets a leg. Really out of the should side. have
0: finished it, yeah.
1: And as soon as you see that, you just kind of think that's it. PSG are not scoring. Chupa Morting attempted some kind of. Sean Michael's
2: yeah, should have scored games. actually, shouldn't he? Should have scored. Yeah,
1: I think he should have done better, especially considering he was put on rather than Marr Ricardi in you know the big, the biggest game in PSG's history, I think. The manager had faith in him. Neymar for me wasn't really involved too much. I don't think that's Neymar's game being, you know, the team defensively, you know, every single game for PSG in the league, they'll be on the front foot and just about every single game in the Champions League, they'll be the ones doing the attacking. So I think this was very different for him, and and Mbappe, of course, as well. I think the two of them were not used to this kind of pressure. But I think Bayern Munich just controlled the game. I mean, that that squad is is phenomenal. I don't think Alfonso Davis had his best game. But,
0: no, he looked nervous about. Yeah,
1: to be a nineteen-year-old playing in the Champions. Yeah, you team, can't I blame know. him. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I think I think he gave a good account of himself. I think Kimmich was fantastic, and especially with the, the boating injury very early on as well. So that was quite a a big loss for Bayern, one of the most experienced players. But I, th- I think the rest of the team just. And I think I think the decision to play Kingsley Coleman over even Perisic was <laughs> turned out to be phenomenal for Hansi Fleck. and I think the way the team played, I just think they were deserved winners. But I think PSG won't be too gutted in a few days when they look back on this result. I, th- I think losing Thiago Silva will be very big for them, club captain. But I think they've shown a really good account of themselves in the Champions League this season, and I think next year they will be they will be right up for it. And I think yeah. they, They'll know better to take chances because I believe losing uh, Edison Cavani as well. I I didn't realize he'd officially left. I thought he'd ex- extended his contract, but no, he, he wasn't mm-hmm. even there. And I think if they'd had him, you know, bring on, I think that could have been really useful for them. Absolutely. But it was. It wasn't the best Champions League final. It was much better than last season's Champions League final. I think, just neutral point of view, watching it. Yeah. But Yeah. It is
0: what it is. I'll let somebody else speak. I'm just rambling fire. <laughs> well, I mean, with with this uh, with his victory, Bayern won their second treble of uh, the league, the German Cup, and the Champions League. Having dom, they've dominated in Germany for most of the last decade. Taylor, the club are seemingly building to continue European dominance now, especially with the likes of Leroy Sane making the move to the Allianz Arena. Sorry, this summer. How far do you think that they, that Bayern can realistically go with this team? Could they kind of start? Winning, or like getting further in the Champions League from here on out, or do you think they'll kind of fall away now that they've won it again?
3: Uh, I can see them winning back-to-back Champions Leagues. They've got to do it again. That team is, as well. Uh, if you're fastening before Graham's, Graham's analysis is there's not a chink in basically their armour. Yeah, and definitely we've got Alfonso Davis who's come on and just been unreal at left back for. Baronic gives Aden. You've got Lewandowski who scored fifty-five goals last ridiculous. season, which is ridiculous. It's been done out of Ballon d'Or, Absolutely a criminal. Yeah, you're, you're and you've got um, Parvard, uh, In fact, you've got Pavard who was even in playing really. In fact, I think he was out injured, wasn't
0: he? Yeah, I think. Well, he was well, on the bench at least. No, he was on the bench. Yeah, injury, but he, he wasn't just came
1: hundred percent. He's not hundred percent. He's still got like, the uh, best fit. right back in the world, Kimmich. You can just slot into that yeah. position. Kimmich got, can uh, literally Kimmich,
0: play anywhere. So I'm adamant that it's guy it's can Phillip play Lamb up front and, and probably
1: overtake Lewandowski.
3: Like honestly, Kimmich is just a a great utility man. You've got mm. Sani coming in. You've got Kingsley Coman who left. Funny enough, left PSG in a three to join Juventus and then sc- scored the one goal against uh, P- PSG. You couldn't write it. And then a, a weird fact: Alphonso Davis. And his girlfriend are the first couple to ever win the Champions League well, in the same season.
0: She's not won it yet. She, she's still getting.
3: I'm the telling she's you not, going finals. Win. No, they're going to win it. They're definitely. Who so do you think she was supported in the
1: in the final? Definitely.
3: That's a fair point. Me. It's a fair definitely. point. because like,
0: she plays for PSG, so yeah. you don't. Yeah, got, got like a
1: half and half scarf. <laughs>
0: oh no. Uh
1: but
3: by me, minute are just unreal, <laughs> and I just can't. I can definitely see them winning back to back and. I said I said it yesterday when I was speaking about this, Thomas Muller is the most underrated player I've I ever seen within football. That man, Kermit the Frog himself, <laughs> definitely, You've
0: just called, should be getting more oh, recognition. Tom, have you just called Thomas Muller Kermit the Frog? Have
3: you never, has his impression of Kermit?
0: I, no, it's pretty good. Oh, it
3: is. It's outstanding. Like, I'm adamant right. he plays it, it's very <laughs> good. And I like and his... he's quite funny as well, isn't oh he Kingle, it?" Oh, his jokes. All Kingsley it's Lemmon You The man's got a... use a passport as a phone to avoid journalists. He also he came is, up with the roadrunner nickname for uh, Alphonso Davies as well. Yeah, he's under 80, he's a good man, he's a good football player, and he's a good captain with a good team. What mere do you want?
1: Well,
0: well not much.
1: As well that, oh, sorry, I was just going to say that, that before this season, and Flick brought him back into the team. Um, Joachim Löw had said that him, Jerome Boateng, mm-hmm. and I think Mats Hummels would never, never play, play for Germany, Germany again. again. Yeah, and all three of them have had fantastic seasons. So I think I, I, I'd be stunned if Thomas Miller doesn't get into that but, uh,
0: it's the German team for the next Euros, based on his season. Germany's losses the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga, and the Champions League again. I suppose. Uh, Jamie, just to wrap up this, we're looking at PSG, Uh, Kylian Mbappe we've mentioned already, it was uncharacteristic of him to miss as many chances as he did, and Neymar for the most part in the game seemed fairly anonymous and didn't really have any impact or any of the desired impact he will have had. Uh, Despite this, despite their um, lack of impact in the game, the younger of the two was the first man leading the team up to collect their runner-up medals while Neymar sulked on the bench and was forced by one of the coaching staff to actually go up and collect it with that level of mentality how long is it before we see Mbappe lift that Champions League trophy
2: I think hope, you know obviously he's still very young hopefully you would think as uh, as little time as as uh, as possible
0: I think yeah no I think he's a fantastic player Mbappe and honestly I think someone had said or oh, I seen something online about that this Time League final was set up as the, the 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 fall in the in the Mbappe movie that will lead him on to, go yeah. on and win everything and anything that comes in his
2: path. I think just you know quickly to wrap up there, you know we we speak about obviously we know how young he is and I think the the fact that he is and he's the first up to collect his runners up medal, I think he knows, I hope he knows that he'll get more chances on big stage for Absolutely. for kind of games and moments like that. So I would like to think that, obviously, he is the younger of the two, him and Neymar. Um, I would like to think that he knows that he will get many more opportunities to, to lift that trophy. And when he does, I'm sure it will be worth the wait.
3: To be honest though Mbappe, he knows the fact he can put that football so early on. So he's just delaying it because if he won that, that's it. Football's complete. He's
2: completed it, mate. You
3: can't get any
2: better than that. Yeah, Jay, like, Jay Cartwright completed the right? Yeah,
3: completed them. <laughs> <laughs> Like honestly, so he knows he's just you know he doesn't want to complete it so quick and he gets bored. So a hundred percent, he meant it. Mbappe meant it. That's why he didn't score that chance.
0: All right, he, he's just been just spread, spreading the 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 glory to everyone else. Apart from yes. him, he'll get it one day. Uh, we're gonna he wrap up the show. Goals, can we're gonna wrap up the show with a new segment called The Week Ahead where we each pick, which where we each pick sorry something in the coming days that football fans should be interested in or at least make notice of. This can range from transfers to midweek matches or if you're Harry Maguire, court cases. Uh, Struan, why don't you start us off? What should football fans be keeping an eye on uh in the next week or so?
1: As as you said, I think Harry Maguire's um trial is Probably one of the biggest things happening in football at the moment, especially with Gareth Southgate set to name his English team today. I will be absolutely stunned if Harry Maguire is part of it at the moment. I think mm. I don't think that would make any sense. I believe there's a hearing going on right now, and we're getting we're yep. getting all kinds of stories. You know, there's it's almost different like a narrative from the film taken almost. Liam Neeson is it's it's pretty incredible, and it's it's, it's one of these almost Chinese whisper stories where it changes change every time. Yeah. Constantly, it gets it gets worse and. Sometimes Maguire is this, this villain who's done horrible things and then other people are making him out. as this hero who stepped in to save his sister. It's, mm. it's pretty crazy. I don't think we'll ever get the truth from the whole thing. I think as well the United team and social media accounts have been fairly silent. They've made a few statements, heard nothing from Harry Maguire yet. But I think this is probably one of the biggest things as well. It's come at one of the worst times as well for Man United given the Europa League defeat no activities whatsoever in the transfer market after missing out on the Sancho deal and then the captain's been arrested it's just sort of <laughs> it's almost just going to get worse and worse and worse yeah. and at the same time Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Man City all these all these rivals around are all making big signings I think it, it genuinely could not have come at a worse time and it, it could be even worse it, it may get better I'm, I'm really not sure what's going to happen but then it Yesterday it was reported that centre back partner Victor Lindelof um, chased down a man who stole a handbag from a ninety year old woman and held on to him until the police arrived. So it, 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 it's fiction, isn't it? One centre back has been arrested. The other one has prevented a crime. And it's the captain is the one been arrested. You know what's? What does it say about the state of the club at the moment? Oh, it's just it is just <laughs> crazy, isn't it? And it's you've got football coming back. Is it the, the second of September, I believe? Uh, training starts again after internationals it's just oh I just don't know what to I, I think that's one thing I think we'll be keeping an eye on is if he A. gets named in the England squad today which as I said yeah. I'd be stunned if that happens and B. what the next spin on this on this tale is going to be I wouldn't be surprised if um if there's a few lines from the still game episode come to it
0: at some point <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Taylor what about yourself, what are you looking forward to this week in football? This week um. Definitely, has probably common knowledge, Chelsea
3: completing their amazing transfer window, and also them doing what Chelsea do best—they look like they could be signing Sar on a free, and he's got that, a, yeah. A that's instantly. the
0: that's the Melang Sar, not as as Yeah, Malang Sar the twenty-one-year-old French centre-back who, formerly of Marseille. I want to, say, uh, if I'm correct, Nice, Nice, yeah, okay, Nice. <laughs>
3: Uh, it when looks like they've got to be signing him, which it definitely looks like could be improving him, to then loan him straight out. So it is definitely, it looks like it could possibly ha- happen, whether it does I don't know, but definitely I'd keep my eye on Chelsea because they are most exciting to watch in the transfer window right now, and probably take the award of winning the transfer window.
0: Well, ju-
2: just, to, just to... transfer
0: <laughs> if, if you do get a trophy for that, I think. <laughs> think Chelsea would. Just to uh, give some context to Taylor's point, uh, Chelsea, they're making massive moves in the transfer window this week. Um, they seem to have all but confirmed, Fabrizio Romano himself confirmed with a here-we-go that Thiago Silva, uh, former PSG captain, will be arriving in London to sign with Chelsea. Uh, they're also expected to wrap up deals for both Kai Havertz and Ben Chilwell this week, um, really improving on areas where they were weak in a lot of the season. But uh, I'll... I'll Make a point that I'll probably make again in another podcast in the future, Chelsea still won't be competing at the top level unless they sign a new goalkeeper, which might be a bit more difficult now that funds have been allocated elsewhere, but I think signing two centre-backs potentially on free deals could really mean that Chelsea still do intend to spend money on a goalkeeper and I think they really should be. it's been, it's been excellent for Chelsea and I really am interested to see how everyone gels together in the team next season. Are they
3: not linked with signing Francis' under-21 goalkeeper? It escapes me exactly who, what uh, the name was. was. But
0: there's the, there's the been a number goalkeeper? of names thrown about uh, recently. There's Jan Oblak of Atletico Madrid, but I think he's far too pricey. Um, There was a Mendy. Uh, there was a Mendy from Nice or... Lille, one of the two, uh, and Mike Magnon, I think his name is as well, coming from France.
1: Is that Mendy, who's the Senegalese one? Yes. Uh-huh, yeah, I Senegal- think it's Ren. he plays for. Him. Ren.
0: my, my yeah. mistake. So there's been a number of goalkeeper name options thrown about recently, and it'll just, time will tell whether but they commit to any one.
3: Yeah, watching Chelsea transfer window is definitely exciting, and this week looks like to be probably the, the ending of the movie, I see,
0: where, you know, you get the plot twist.
2: Well, we're, the,
0: the we're, we're nothing happens Sancho and all Yeah, <laughs> Sancho just walks out on the first day of the season that would be something different it's, it's just good because Thiago Silva signing could mean that Alex from Glastow is back in employment he's dusting off the bucket hat for an announcement video <laughs> you, you, you would love to see it he's a Chelsea fan as well so th- there's there's potential there is hey. he? he is, he is. they're missing a trick if that doesn't happen <laughs> uh, Jamie what about yourself what are you looking forward to this week?
2: I'll give you a couple then. Actually, if that's okay, all right. Yeah, um, so all the Scottish teams in Europe this yes, week. I'm looking absolutely. forward to seeing how they get on. Celtic have um, quite a tough tie. Actually, I said when the draw was made that the Hungarian outfit. I'm going to absolutely. i ab- just thank you. I right, that them. I right, them as well. I right, they're playing them. Uh, that's a tough game for them. Yeah. They they that that could be a banana skin. Um, they they obviously played some nobody's Reykjavik Icelandic fisherman in the first uh, in the first qualifying round so this is a big step up and fortunately for Celtic you know they have been playing league football um, yep. so they'd be kind of they should be sharp enough to to get past especially at home but if that tie was away from home that, that could have been a banana skin for them. Um, Aberdeen and Motherwell also at home um, should all all three should really progress, but uh, I'm okay. looking forward to seeing seeing them them all, seeing how how they get on. And uh, just quickly on a, a little bit of transfer business, um, Huddersfield Town <laughs> are, are are <laughs> about to uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Huddersfield have announced uh, announced relegation. Well, they've not announced it yet actually, but uh, Joe Pereira is expected to sign <laughs> for Huddersfield on loan from Manchester United um i am not sure if they need somebody to a new water boy or something but <laughs> I, I i'm 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 told it is uh i'm told he is he is uh he's going to be playing in goals for them um so they clearly haven't seen his his highlights from uh, from last season at Hearts so uh, yeah that's something i'm looking forward to seeing happening seeing how that gets on Seeing if that goes through, sorry, I should say, because that's in the next week hopefully. I, th- I
0: think all of us are looking forward to seeing if that does go through. How he gets on, if if there is any improvement to, his, you couldn't even call it form up in up in Scotland. It was just well, horrific.
2: D- per- per- Perenna's lucky because he's been able to train, um, through through lockdown. Did you know that he's he's exempt from um, from all COVID um, COVID because he can't catch anything ah. so
0: ah. There we oh go. There we go. thank you thank you thank <laughs> I like you. that well as for me there's a couple of things as well um, I don't. it might have been brought up earlier in the podcast I can't really remember but this afternoon on the day of recording uh, Steve Clark's announcing his Scotland squad for friendlies against Israel and the Czech Republic it's looking like there's going to be a number of players getting their first call ups and um, which McCrory is, I always forget. which, which Robbie, Mc, Robbie, Robbie. Robbie McCrory seems to be nailed on to be getting a call-up as a potential backup to whichever keeper starts. And Lyndon Dyke seems to be nailed on to be getting a call-up as a striker. I'm putting money on Billy Gilmore getting a call-up in this squad as he wasn't included in Scott Gemmell's under-21 squad. So I could see the Chelsea man finally getting oh. his first um, crack of the whip in the first team. But also, uh, it's at it the start of next week, but it still falls under the bracket since we're recording on a Tuesday. All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur comes out on Monday. Oh, does it? I, yeah, the 31st of August, and I am buzzing for it. I just can't wait to see how much nonsense can, from this season can actually be fit into one TV show. Um, there's been so much happening that spurs over the season, and. I really want them to be able to do it justice because there's been so much idiocy and lunacy and stupidity surrounding Spurs this year. And I really hope Amazon have been able to capture as much of it as they possibly can. I mean, I'm not the only one that's this excited for it, surely. I think I, I take, no, we're, we're all I'm looking good. forward to it. Yes, yeah. especially the yeah. billboard that went up at Stamford Bridge. Oh, the billboard was excellent. It was, uh, in case anyone hadn't seen it, Amazon uh, put up a billboard just down the road from Stamford Bridge picture of Mourinho saying have you ever wondered what your ex has been up to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> very, good. very good I was a old fan old. of it myself Um well now, see Mourinho behind the scenes oh absolutely, <laughs> uh, well we've seen alleged clips of him already and yeah. it proves that he's just as barmy as we all thought he was
1: <laughs> Well, have <laughs> seen Bieta, so we've seen Guardiola now it's time to, and we've seen Jack Ross in the Sunderland
0: documentary so it's time to see Mourinho now all big characters I'm sure and a bit of Pochettino. Uh, That brings this episode of the Football Roundup to a close. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to Energy Sport Podcast, wherever you get yours, and follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with all sorts of sports content from Napier's finest. Thanks very much to Struan, Taylor and Jamie for joining me today. I'm Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.